Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis how the animals went in the ark and how outside the ark was probably ridicule that turned to the cries of death. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the cattle that was with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters assuaged. And the decision now to enter the ark is individually yours, no one else's. If you let the attachment to those who want to stay cause you to hold back and linger back, you'll be destroyed. Now here's Tom Cantor with our Genesis study every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. This is so different from Noah. Lot was not like Noah. Because when Noah was called to enter into the ark, there was no tragic comment in Noah's life about he lingered and had to think about it. It was not a good thing for Lot to linger. The world was still inside of Lot. The world was not inside Noah. Therefore, Lot lingered. Noah did not linger. He had second thoughts, Lot. And as far as his wife goes, that's tragic. In Genesis 19 to 24, 26, it says, The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of cities that was upon the ground. Verse 26 of Genesis 19. But his wife looked back from behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. That look back was not a look of curiosity. I wonder what's happening. That was a longing look. That was a, oh, look, I miss, I yearn for. Maybe I should not have gone. Look, I've been pushed out. I've been pulled out. And when that happened, then she tragic. He lost his wife. Now, we come in, in Genesis 7 through 7, back to Genesis 7, and we see in verses 8 and 9 that the animals went into Noah. Now, how did Noah assemble all those animals? I'll tell you. I don't know. But animals do strange things before a storm. You know, we all remember seeing or hearing about in Indonesia before the tsunami came how animals would go, they just left. They, it's, they have an instinct. They went up to higher ground. They just started going. So maybe there was an impulse of nature, but all the animals came. And in verse 17, it said that when they all came into the ark, it says, God shut the door of the ark. Noah was not asked, and Noah did not, uh, consequently, shut the door of the ark. That was not Noah's responsibility. God didn't ask him to do that. God did it. That was very symbolic when it says that in verse 17, God shut him in. Why was that symbolic? Because God determined the time when salvation opportunity was over, when it was past. And that's like it says in Hebrews 9, 27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after that the judgment. When you read that verse, the first question that comes to you is, who determines that appointment? It is appointed unto man once to die. Who makes that appointment? And obviously, God alone makes that appointment, right? And so the question is, who appointed the time when the door of the ark would be closed? God did. God alone. 
So the closing of the door of the ark was a statement. It was appointed unto man once for the door of the ark to be closed and after that the judgment. That's why we preach our heart out to the lost. Because we know that once that door is closed in an individual's death, it won't get opened again. They won't see it opened again. And once that door of the ark was closed for the lost, they would never see that door opened again. So we can imagine when that happened, the awful cries that Noah must have heard from inside the ark, cries like, Noah, Noah, it's me, I'm Ben. Remember me, Noah, I'm your foreman. We worked together. You were in my house. I was in your house, Noah. You were over at my home. Open the door of the ark. Let me in. It's your friend. But Noah couldn't. Noah could not. Because God appointed the time for the door to be shut, and God shut the door of the ark. And about the only thing Noah could do when he was listening to those horrible cries from inside the ark, is just he could sit there and it'd be horrible. I mean, can you imagine? And he would sit there and he would say, to keep his sanity, he would say to us, Ben, oh yeah, I remember Ben. I warned Ben. And that's what he would say. I told Ben, Ben, I found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So can you. Because there's room for you. I invited Ben to come into the ark. And Ben said, no, I don't have Ben's blood on my hands. And that's what he could say. And Noah could say the same words that the Lord Jesus Christ said in John 17, 4, when he said, I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Noah not only finished the work of the ark, but he finished the work of preaching the gospel to his generation. The good news, you can come unto the ark. And we speak to our lost friends about the Lord Jesus Christ because we know one day the door of the ark for them is going to be closed in death. And we don't want to be guilty. We, don't want, we want to be able to sit down like Noah did and be able to say, I don't have that man's blood on my hands. Because what it said in Ezekiel 33, 6, God warned Ezekiel. He said, Ezekiel, if the watchman see the sword come and blow not the trumpet and the people be not warned, if the sword come and take any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at the watchman's hand. And he went on in verse 8 of Ezekiel 33 when he said, When I say unto the wicked man, when I say unto the wicked, O wicked man, thou shalt surely die if thou dost not speak to warn the wicked from his way, and that wicked man die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. So we know it's a serious thing to have the job of a watchman. Very serious. Lots of responsibility. And each one of us as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ who know, we know that hell is a reality. That's the sword coming. We know that hell is a reality. We know that hell is waiting for each one of our friends who are not believers 
in the Lord Jesus Christ. That makes us responsible. That makes us a watchman for them. God requires us to sound the gospel trumpet for them. Warn the lost about hell and how they have to enter into the ark, so to speak, while the door is open. Well, Noah was faithful, and Noah warned these men. In fact, Noah's name means rest. Noah's name means rest, and he mean, that means he is the rest giver, and he was offering rest to these people, just like the Lord Jesus Christ in Matthew eleven twenty eight, where he said, Come unto me, all your labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. That was Noah's. Life, that was his life message because that was the meaning of his name. So Noah's inside the ark, and in the ark, Noah is protected from the wrath of God, verse 10. So now at verse 10, at the end, really at the end of verse 9, Noah and his family have entered into the ark, and they sit there, and it says in verse 10 that it came to pass after seven days. So they went in, it says in verse 16, male and females, God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. Okay, so that's the same description that we had in verse 9, but in verse 10, it says there's a seven-day period. So there's a seven-day period that the flood doesn't happen, and what happens during those seven days from the time that they enter into the ark and God shuts them in till the waters start? That's an interesting seven days. You know, that's kind of a long time. Uh, well, not in comparison to all the time it's spent on the ark, but it's a, it's, a, it's a time. Let me tell you, it's a time. So you could call it a phase. It's a phase, phase one. You know, first day of phase one, phase one, seven days. First day of phase one is drama. You know, Noah, his family, all the animals are getting in the ark. God shuts the door. Everyone expects, okay, let the waters begin, right? But nothing happens, and they just sit there. And then they think on the second day, well, surely the water's going to happen today. But nothing happens. And they just sit there. It's the second day. And it goes on for the third day and the fourth day. And nothing is happening. And we can imagine the dis- there might have been a discussion inside the ark about this. You know, Father, you're sure we got it right? You sure, you sure we're supposed to be here? We get here too early? You know, you sure the flood's coming? Noah says, we're doing what God told us to do. He knows what he's doing. We're trusting and obeying. If he says to sit in the ark for this, he didn't know how long it was going to be. If he says he's going to sit in the ark for this phase, this time, we sit in the ark. And we can imagine shouts from out the outside. The outside. You know, like the sons-in-law of Lot, how they mocked. You know, So we can imagine the mockers also. Hey, Noah, how you doing in there? Are you safe? You know, it's a, he says, uh, Noah, the you know, weather is, report looks good. It's all sunshine today. No flood today, Noah. You sure God didn't mislead you? You sure you didn't waste 140 years of your life, Noah? And they're pounding on the outside. And, you know, oh, Noah, we're all drowning out here in the water. Save us, Noah. Save us from the terrible flood. There's no, nothing happens for seven days. It didn't matter. Because Noah was in the ark and he was trusting God. Didn't matter that he'd never seen a rain or a flood before and he was trusting God. Those seven days were just the calm before the storm. That's the first phase of the flood. Now, verse 10 and 11 is the next phase of the flood. As the waters on the earth, fountains broken up. So this describes the 40 days of storm days, violent storm days. As the waters of flood are on the earth. It suggests in verse 11 that great bodies of water were under the earth called the fountains of the great deep. 
and that somehow it describes here that those fountains were broke up. So they're just water just coming up from underneath the ground, and tremendous geysers, whatever, gushing and so forth, and it's coming up. And verse 11 goes on to speak of something that's never happened before, rain, and a torrential downpour of rain. It's called the windows of heaven were opened. And it says in verse 17 that this lasted for 40 long days, storm days. This is the time when the waters increased. And in verse 17, it talks about the ark, and it says it's lifted up, and it's rising as the, it's going up and higher and higher. And as the water's getting higher and higher, the ark is getting higher and higher. And uh, maybe they had this sense on the inside where, you know, we're going, we're getting higher and higher. Things are, we're going up and up. I don't know how far up they went. But uh, that's that phase, 40 days, storm days. Then verses 18 to 24 are the next phase. And that lasts for about 110 days. And those are the days of the steady rain. And the rising, you know, it just doesn't stop, keeps coming. This is a time when there's a steady rain and the waters keep on rising and rising and rising over the earth. And in verse 18, it says that the ark went upon the face of the waters. Literally, that reads, the ark walked on the face of the waters. It just walked. It moved somehow, I don't know. It walked on the face of the waters. And verse 19 tells us the waters rose about over 20 feet above the highest mountain. Now, it's not clear to us now what mountains were existing. We don't know if Mount Everest existed, and that would have put him at 32,000 feet, because it's unlikely that Noah brought oxygen on the ark. But anyways, it's theorized that the earth continued to have significant upheavals with erupting volcanoes for as much as 200 years after the ark. And that may have been the time when Mount Everest was formed. We don't know. But in verse 21, it tells us that God's intention was accomplished, was, which was all flesh died. But verse 23 is a wonderful picture for us by the way it's put. It says, they were destroyed from the earth and Noah only remained alive and they that were with him in the ark. You know, picture ourselves as, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, he's risen from the dead. And as it says there, only those with him are alive in heaven. Everyone else outside of him perishes into an eternity of continual death. Now, verse 25 tells us again that the two phases of the storm days and the steady rain and the rising waters, they lasted 150 days. So that's 40 plus 110. All right. And then at the end of those 150 days, the water has reached its high point on the earth. And so you're inside the ark, and during those 150 days, it, uh, it's not an easy time. It's just not an easy, it takes patience. It's not an easy time. I wouldn't, I don't, I don't, I, well, I mean, I wouldn't want to be there, but I wouldn't want to be out of it. So it's a, you know, it's, a, it's a necessary thing, but what can you say? So the next phase, which starts in verse one, chapter 8, verse 1, is where God remembers Noah. And this is the phase of the disappearance of the waters. It starts with these words, and God remembered Noah. So after the 150 days of the, well, I guess it's seven, anyways, 150, we don't count those. So for 150 days, then we start this phase of the disappearance of the waters. And we're told in verse 1 that God made the waters to subside 
by a strong wind that passed over the earth. Tom, today you talked about that momentous time when the door of the ark actually closed. Now, don't you find that people today really don't believe that the door is ever going to close on them? You know, I'm sure people during Noah's day never really believed that that door was ever going to close and they were going to find themselves outside, lost, in the middle of God's flood judgment. But it did. And, the, and it's as you said, as the word that you used, that momentous time. There was a time when the door of the ark actually closed. It closed, and it was, it was not going to open for those people, ever. And, of course, we know it did open, but at the time it opened, then it opened for Noah, not for those people on the outside. And it's a very, very sobering thought when we think about that, because what it says in Hebrews 9.27, which we were talking about today, it says, it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So the question is, who appointed men to die? And the answer is God. God makes that appointment. Every person, God has made an appointment with every person that to die, and every person will keep that appointment because it's God that made that appointment. It's appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. In other words, there's you can see, you can when you read this verse, you can hear the slamming of the door of the ark. It's appointed unto men once to die. That door is closed. That door will not open again, and after that, the judgment. And the judgment is spoken about in Acts 17.31, where it says, Because he hath appointed a day in the which he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he hath ordained, whereof he hath given assurance unto all men, and that he hath raised him from the dead. So what he is speaking about here is that there's a day in which he, God, will judge the world, judge all, and he'll judge him according to the standard of righteousness that's in the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is the standard of righteousness because he was righteousness revealed in in the in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will be the standard and every person will be judged against him there's no such thing as judging on the curve with God man will not be judged by others people like to say well i'm not as good as some but i'm not as bad as others you nobody will be judged by the sum or the others everybody will be judged by the standard of the Lord Jesus Christ and then he said he hath ordained him in other words He hath ordained the Lord Jesus Christ in his righteousness to be the standard by which everybody is judged. And then it says, he hath given assurance unto all men and that he raised him from the dead. So the question is, how do we know that God has made the Lord Jesus Christ in his righteousness to be the standard by which every man will be judged against? It's because he's raised him from the dead. He caused him to be raised to the dead, from the dead. So there would be no doubt in anybody's mind The Lord Jesus Christ, his righteousness is going to be the standard. Now, just that statement, just that knowledge should cause everyone to want to flee to the Lord Jesus Christ for mercy, for the mercy covenant. You see, to go to God and to to risk it on your own is to go to God with the first covenant called the law covenant, the Torah covenant. The Torah covenant said, all right, what is the blueprint of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the Torah. 
Torah? What is the what is the description of of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ? It's the law of God. The ten, is summarized in the Ten Commandments, expanded by Moses. It's the Torah. It's the law. And so, if a person says, "Well, I'll just go and 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 uh, and I'll have a go at it on my own, and I'll just put up my own life as a as a proof that I can match up to the righteousness of God," which is suicidal. But if a person does do that, then God says, "Okay, fine. Here is the standard by which you must compare yourself: the righteousness that's in the Lord Jesus Christ." But when we look at that law, when we look at the blueprint of the Lord Jesus Christ in the Torah, then what God wants to have happen to us is for that to be like a schoolmaster to us that says, no, 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 just like the schoolmasters used to do, wagging their finger, and we get lower and lower and lower and lower and lower because we realize that we're more and more and more and more a sinner, and then what do we do? We run to God for his new covenant, his second covenant, which is the mercy covenant. Why the mercy covenant? Because it's the mercy of God which caused him to give the Lord Jesus Christ, who shed his blood, and we flee under that blood, and we say, that blood for me, the mercy of God, and that's the mercy covenant. And so what happens here is that the door is going to close. There's no doubt about it. There's a finality. As far as purgatory, forget about it. No such thing. The Bible knows nothing of a person spending a temporary time in a terrible place and then redeeming himself or someone else buying him out. No, nothing is known of that in the Bible. What is known in the Bible is it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the final judgment, and that's it. And that's symbolic of the time when Noah entered into the ark, and the door of the ark closed in a terrible sound when that door closed, because it was momentous and symbolized that the opportunity was finished. And as long as we have breath within our lungs, any person has breath within his lungs, he has the opportunity, the door is open for that person to run to the Lord Jesus Christ, to Flee to him for mercy, to bow before him, and to proclaim my Lord and my God, and to receive him as Savior, and to make him the Lord of our lives, and to say he is the Lord God, and to be saved from our sins. That's the way to be saved from sins, to to confess him as Savior. Now, that's running in while the door is open, but when death comes, the door is closed, and that's it, and there is nothing left after that except the judgment. And it's good to be on the inside of the ark and uh, not have to see what the outside of the ark is like. But today you also brought up how God remembered Noah. And how can a dying believer be assured that God will remember them being in that ark? You know, isn't that wonderful statement? And God remembered Noah. I mean, we can just linger on that. We can think about it. We can meditate on it. God remembered Noah. You know what Job said? He said this. 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 He said, "I know." In Job thirty twenty three, for I know that thou wilt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. In other words, we know and everybody knows we're going to be brought to death. And Job knew that. But he also knew that as sure as I'm going to be die, I'm going to die. God is going to bring me to the house appointed for all living. What is the house appointed for all living? It's my father's house or many mansions. It's a, it's a David says in Psalm 23, 6, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the house appointed for all living. There is a house appointed for all the dead. That's hell. There is a 
house appointed for all living. That's heaven. And Job said he knew. He said that though worms destroy this body, Job said, yet in my flesh shall I see God. When the, the, the thief who was dying on the cross next to the Lord Jesus Christ, he turned to him because he knew Next to him was the person who does not forget, the person who is faithful, the person who remembers. And so he begged him, and he said to, it says in Luke 23, 42, and he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And then the Lord graciously said to him, today, verily, verily, he said, twice, he said, verily, 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 truly, truly, of a truth to truth, as they say in Spanish. The verdad, the verdad. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. And who spoke that? The word of authority. Just like when they were speaking and they and they said, he teaches not like the scribes because he teaches with authority. This is the word that was made flesh, speaking the word of God when he says, today you shall be wish, with me in paradise. And so what does God says? When he says a saint die, he says precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. We find in Psalm 50 verses three through seven. It says, our God shall come. He shall not keep silent. A fire shall devour before him. It shall be very tempestuous round about him. He shall call to the heavens from above and to the earth that he may judge his people. And then it says, gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. And the heavens shall declare his righteousness for God is judge himself. Hear, O my people, and I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. So we see in this scene God judging some to hell and some to heaven, and we can be sure that both will happen. Thank you for joining us today. Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries wants to help those that are out there, especially the lost Jewish people. We've got an opportunity for you to receive a free gospel gift to give to a Jewish person. Now, all you have to do, again, is call us at 1-800-247-3051. 1-800-247-3051. Thanks for listening.